The reading, today, the reading today is taken from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34, and that can be found on page 971 of the Bibles in the chairs in front of you. Treasures in heaven. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Do not worry. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thank you, Sarah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you we can be here today. And as we continue on this journey, asking the question, why worry? Help us to be people who trust in you and know your provision and protection in our lives. As our Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we've been saying through this series, why worry? And uh, the title for this morning is, why worry when God is our Father? Now... That question is a very important question to ask, why worry? Because as we've said each week, um, worry and anxiety is a fairly normal human condition that many people struggle with. We wake up, we toss and turn, there's all sorts of symptoms with it. Um, So why do we worry when uh, surely we should be able to say to ourselves, snap out of it, stop worrying. I don't know if you've ever tried that. Um, You say it to yourself, stop worrying and then you don't sleep well again. And it's just the reality that anxiety and worries and fears can overtake us. Um, But there was that famous song in the 80s by a guy called Bobby McFerrin. I don't know if you remember him, but I'm sure you remember the song. Um, Do you remember this? Let's hit it, Michael. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. You remember this one? In every life we have some trouble. 
when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Be happy. Now, I don't know if you know the rest of the song, but he says this. Ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Well, don't worry. Be happy. Landlord say your rent is late. He may have to litigate. Don't worry. Ha, 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 ha. Be happy. Now, I just want you to think about what he's actually saying here. Because uh, it's a fun song. And, you know, you look at the guy and you think, man, what's he been smoking or token on? Um, but I don't think it's real life, if I can put it that way. Because um, don't worry. Be happy when your landlord is about to sue you or when you've got no place to live and you're homeless. Now, I was thinking about this, um, is this good pastoral advice for me as the senior minister for the next person who comes to me who comes with no place to lay their head? Don't worry, be happy, but someone's going to sue me. Don't worry, be happy. I mean, it's ridiculous when you think about it, and it feels good though, and you sing along, don't worry, be happy. Um, Worry's real. And just saying be happy really doesn't cut it when you've got real issues. And I read some surveys this week about the things that we worry about. What are our top 10 worries? And you can go on the internet and find all sorts of surveys, different age groups, different nationalities. Um, Typically, there's about three major areas of life that we worry about. Uh, One is our health, for obvious reasons, and it might be in terms of our appearance, um, our weight, um, our longevity. Another is relationships, and you can think of all sorts of relational worries. But the third big area is money that people worry about, and it's always something up the top of the list. In fact, if you've got a top 10 list, uh, there'll be a couple of different ones. And here's some of the things that people worry about. Uh, The first is people worry they don't have enough money. Now, that's classically people who kind of are entering into the time zone I'm in. You're looking ahead 20 years and you're thinking, will I have enough money to retire on? How much super have I got? And they're the questions you've got that come. Um, You've got other people who think, I don't have enough money. I am retired. Am I going to be able to make it? Um, Typically for younger people, they worry about have they just got enough money to pay their bills? They've moved out of home. And there's this sense of which life is just very expensive. Have I got enough money just to make ends meet? And then you've got people, and I would imagine there'd be many in this demographic before me, who you've got mortgages, uh, you've got credit card debts, I wouldn't encourage that, um, and you think, can I pay off the debts that I have? The monthly bill comes around with great monotony, I don't know when it is for you, but it could be the first Wednesday of the month, will I have enough money just to service the mortgage we've got? And these concerns can weigh us down. And it's against this backdrop that I want us to read and reflect on the passage that we've had read to us today from Sarah. Now, originally when we picked this passage, it's because it is the passage where Jesus says three times, don't worry. And we originally just picked out the kind of second half of it, but he says, therefore, don't worry. And I thought, we've got to look at what he's actually saying, don't worry about. And when you look at what he's saying, don't worry about, it's actually money. And that's what we're going to look at this morning is why do we worry about money? Now... The first thing I want us to do, if you've got your Bibles there, do get them out. It's chapter 6 of Matthew, verse 19. It's page, and I've got it there on the screen, 971. And we're going to work our way through this passage. But the first thing I want to say is the problem of money is not money itself. It's the value that we attach to money. Let me say that again. The problem with money is not money itself. It's the value that we attach to it. 
Jesus critiques the value that we place onto money. And I want you to hear that loud and clear because the possession of it, the use of it, is not the issue. And all of us will have money and we'll have varying amounts of money here in the congregation. Some may have very much, some may have very little. But the fact that you have it is not the issue, it's what value we place upon it. And in chapter 6 verse 19 he says, we store money up, that's the first issue. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in. Now, he's not against having bank accounts, if I can put it this way. It's storing money up and doing the second thing, treasuring the money, that this has become what is most valuable for you, the size of your bank account. And you see, one follows the other. We store it, we treasure it. Now, the word there for treasure is actually a little treasure box that people would have in the Middle East in the first century. And they would have this treasure box that they would put their most valuable, precious items into. And what he's saying is, with your finances, is that the way you value them? That this is what is most valuable for you? Your treasure. The third value we place on money is that we love it. He goes on to say, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now, there's no fence sitting with Jesus uh, in so many matters, and particularly when it comes to money. And he says, Once you store it and then it becomes the most treasured thing you have, you actually then begin to love it. In other words, you place ultimate value on it. This is the thing that is most important for you, is how much you have, be it stocks and shares, be it a property portfolio, or be it cash in the bank or superannuation that is waiting for the years to come. If that is your treasure, you will inevitably love it. That's the value you're placing on it, and you're giving it ultimate meaning. Now, what happens when we do that? Well, we serve money. And he finishes off this paragraph with the famous words, well, you cannot serve both God and money. And the word there for serve is the word we use for worship. In other words, it's what we give our hearts to. It's what we trust in. It's what we think is ultimate. And the thing that you love is the thing that you'll give yourself to. And inevitably, once you give yourself and start loving something, you'll start serving and worshipping it. And we become driven by wanting to have more because we think having more money will make us more happy, more safe, more protected, etc., etc. And there's three things I think we do with money and value we think uh, comes out of money is that it will provide for us, it will protect us, and it gives us purpose. In other words, when you think about the issues of life that cause us to worry and generate anxiety... Will I have enough money to just provide for daily needs? Will I have a roof over my head? Will I be protected? Uh, And that's just one way we can think of protection because there's a whole range of other ways. You think of just terror today. We think of terror and the need for protection. You think of health and the need for protection. And purpose. Will money enable me to fulfill my dreams and enjoy a happy life? Jesus says, think about where you look for your provision and your protection and your purpose. Because money is not the answer. And the problem of money is not money itself. 
It's the value of making it ultimate that is the problem. Now, I do want to say there's some positive things to say about money. In fact, lots of positive things to say about money. We can't actually live without money, and so I don't want to, I'm not having a go at money per se. It's about having the right value of place to it and not worrying as a result. And I'm just going to give you five reasons why money is a good thing. And I know we've got here numbers of people who work in the financial services sector, and I want to say that's a good thing that we've got Christians working in that area who are going to provide, I pray, ethical service in financial services and working in banks and institutions and providing conscience to what happens in these places. We need that because money is a reality of life that has to be used. It's part of the economy. And when you read through scripture, it says we need to earn money so that we can take responsibility for our own lives. The Bible does not say money is an evil thing in itself. You need it to actually get through life. Uh, Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. In other words, get off your backside and get a job. Many a father has thought that (laughs) with children growing up. And that's the reality. Get a job and earn some money. Why? Take responsibility for your life. Money's needed for that. Secondly, we use money to provide for our relatives. 1 Timothy 5 verse 8, If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You need money for that. And that's the blessing of having finances is we can care for those within our extended families. It's a good thing to do. Thirdly, we earn money to provide for the future. And that's why actually having a bank account is a good thing and having savings is a good thing. And when you read Proverbs chapter 6, it gives an analogy of the ant that stores. And what it's saying is, you see, the wise person does store away for a rainy day. Not because he thinks this is what is going to give me ultimate happiness, but because he knows the reality of life tell you that there will be ups and downs and you need to think wisely about how you use your money and putting money away and saving is a good thing. Fourthly, we need to use money to help people in need. Now, you could look to all sorts of scriptures for that. The one I'm going to pick out is James 1.27. Pure religion is this, what? That you help orphans and widows in their need. Now, that's just one of many verses you could pick on and read. But you see, the blessings we have are not so that we can hold on to them. Um, I don't believe in reservoir theology. Just build a bigger and bigger dam and store up as much as you can. I believe in river theology. That as we are blessed, we let it flow through us so we can help others and be a blessing to others. And money is there and those who earn it so that you can help others in need. Fifthly, we use money for spreading the gospel and providing for ministry needs. 1 Corinthians 9 talks uh, in about five different ways about why it's good to support your local church ministry that feeds you spiritually. And Paul gives us five reasons there from the Old Testament, from the New Testament, from life, from Jesus. And he goes on. Because what he's saying is you need to support the work that is feeding you. And that's why I encourage people here to tithe and to give here first and then give elsewhere on top of that and to be generous. But in that's 1 Corinthians 9, 2 Corinthians 9 talks about supporting missionaries beyond the church. And there's a whole section there from chapter seven through sorry, chapter eight and nine about giving externally to missions to support that kind of work and so money's not the problem money can be of great benefit money can be of great use and can do wonderful things when we attach the right value to it but the problem is we don't we think money will be ultimate we think it will actually solve our worries when jesus says it actually creates worries 
And we make it into a God by the way we love it and serve it. And that's why when you read through scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 6 says this, it's the root of all kinds of evil. Uh, Why does drug pushing flourish? Do you know why? It's because you've got drug dealers who think this is easy money. That's why they're driven to do it. Even though they're destroying people's lives, they just want the quick cash. It's one reason why people fall away in their faith. Mark chapter 4, the um, parable of the sower and the seeds. One of the reasons why people fall away is because, in the words of Jesus, the deceitfulness of wealth. In other words, people take hold of money not realising that it's going to take hold of them. It's deceitful. The Proverbs in chapter 30 say this, it can make you spiritually arrogant and forgetful of God. If you've got too much money, you'll say to yourself, I don't need God anymore. I've got all I need. That's Proverbs 30 verse 8. And Luke chapter 12 is one of the most chilling parables of the Lord Jesus of a rich man who just wanted more. And it blinded him to the reality of eternal judgment with God. And Jesus looked at that man in the parable and said, You fool, tonight your very life will be demanded from you. And money blinds us to eternal realities. Which is why Jesus says to us, Who will be your master? Will the master of your heart and your life be money or will it be God? Now I was talking to Ray Galeer about this. Uh, Ray was here two weeks ago and we caught up. And he told me this incredible story, it's a true story, of a radio interview that he listened to. And on the radio that day, it was a number of years back, there was a British movie producer, well-known. And he'd entertained on one of these kind of maxi yachts about five billionaires. Now, it's worth saying a billionaire is someone who's got 1,000 million, so not millionaires, billionaires. And he's got about five of them round the table and they're chewing the fat, having a cup of tea, probably not, probably having champagne. Um, And he asked them all together this one question as they sat around the table talking. So what do you guys all want in life? Now, do you know what they said? One word they said, more. All of them, with one voice, said it together, in unison. And he said they were unashamed and unapologetic. If you ever want an advertisement for how having a billion dollars does not make you happy, and I don't want to say this with any disrespect, just look at James Packer. I've never seen a sadder life. Money just doesn't make you happy. It just gives you more worries. If you attach ultimate value to it. It's not the having it that will make you unhappy. It's the value you place on it. And you see, the Word of God is saying to us today that what we can't do as followers is this. We can't have a divided loyalty. And you've actually got to make a decision in your life. What will be your attitude to money and what value will you place on it? Will it be the thing that rules my heart or will it be the thing that I use as I have my heart ruled by God? Because what you can't say is this, Lord, you can have my praise. I love you and I love singing along with Dave and Amana. It's great to be here singing those songs, isn't it? I mean, it's wonderful. Lord, you can even have my time. I'll sign up, be on the roster, I'll help out wherever you need. Great. Lord, I'll even trust you with my whole life. I'll give my life to Jesus. I'll follow Jesus, I will. And I'm looking forward to eternity. But please, Lord, don't take my wallet. 
I think a lot of us think that. Lord, I need my money. I earn my money. It's my money. What right do you have to take it away? And Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. And that's why we've got to let God control our bank accounts, our credit cards, our wallets, and start being a blessing. River theology, letting our money flow through and blessing others and growing the kingdom and caring for people in need and making sure our families are well looked after. And you see, when we don't do that, what happens? We worry. And you see, Jesus knows that we worry about money. Sorry, I'm one behind. He knows we worry about money. And that's why three times in what follows in chapter 6, verse 25 through to 34, he says, therefore I tell you, verse 25, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you wear. Now, they are natural things to worry about that are attached to having finance, aren't they? And he knows what life is like. He's grown up. Verse 28, why do you worry about your clothes? And it's not in the sense of, are you looking like, you know, drop-dead gorgeous? (laughs) Nothing wrong with looking drop-dead gorgeous, but have you actually got clothes, I think, is more the implication. Why do you worry about your clothes? Verse 31, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And you see, what's significant is he's connecting the dots with money and worry. And he's showing worrying about money is a fruitless endeavor, but you will worry about it when you attach ultimate value to it. It's inevitable. And it doesn't matter what size of a bank account you've got, whether you've got little or you've got much. Both groups of people worry when they think money is ultimate. We worry we don't have enough. We worry we've got enough, but we want more. And I wonder what you would have answered to that question by the British movie producer. What do you guys want in your life? I wonder who would, in the honest moments, would say, actually, I'd like a bit more. Rather than being with the Apostle Paul, who said this, I know what it is to be in need... And I know what it is to have plenty. In other words, I've been in both situations. I've been in poverty and I've been in riches. I've been in both. And I know and I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. In other words, the secret to contentment was knowing Jesus. And so whether he had a lot or a little, he actually had found contentment, not anxiety and worry. Jesus knows that we worry about money and he says, stop worrying and trust God. Now, it's worth saying, he doesn't say, don't worry, be happy and just leave it there. Listen to what he says and have a read. Verse 25, don't worry about your life and what you'll eat or drink or your body and what you'll wear. 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And that's the question you've got to ask yourself. Do I really believe God loves me and will look after me? And when it comes to our finances, whether we've got much or little, it's the same question. Because whether we've got much or little, we're still called to be generous with what we have. 
do we really believe God loves us and looks after us and that he's our heavenly father? And that's the thing to think through. Why worry when God is your father, is what Jesus is saying to us. Are you not much more valuable than the birds of the air? And to God, we are far more valuable than the birds of the air. He sent his son to die for us that we know. On that cross, 2,000 years ago, on the cross of Calvary, he bore our sin before being raised bodily from the dead to life. And we follow him. The question is, will we trust him with all of our life? The incredible benefit of being a follower of Jesus is that God is our Father. And I want to say, if you are someone who worries about money and you don't know the assurance of belonging to God's family, what you need to do is not just stop worrying about money, but you need to actually give your life to Jesus and allow him to take charge and he will look after you. Now, I believe in provision theology not prosperity theology. There's no promise of prosperity here, but rather of provision. And God is a God who will provide for our needs. Now, some of you may be in prosperity. Great. Use that as a river to bless others, to grow the gospel. Jesus says, what's the point of worrying? Verse 27, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? I'll give a testimony about this. Um, in my last ministry, one of the things I did back in 1999 and 2000 was run a large evangelistic crusade. We had about 85 churches involved and the budget was a quarter of a million dollars. It'd probably be the equivalent of today, of probably half a million dollar budget. And we'd raised initially around about 100,000 and I knew we needed to get another $150,000. Probably the today would be like raising $300,000. And I remember having this awful night's sleep where I tossed and turned and I didn't sleep and I woke up in the morning and I thought, well, that didn't achieve much. <laughs> I've still got the same amount of money to raise. And I thought what I need to do is actually pray. And I made sure we started praying about this and, you know, my worries disappeared because I trusted that God would provide for us in that situation. It's why the prayer and fasting week is so important for me. I mean, there's all sorts of worries ahead of us in the year. For all sorts of reasons. Delays with Council DA, do pray that that goes through. Finances, marriages, pastoral issues that come across my table. All sorts of questions. But the most important thing I need to do is pray and leave those worries with God. And you know, at the end of the day, we were praying and I was needing 150k extra, we got 160 and I think we had something like 1,800 people went forward and gave their lives to Christ. It was an incredible time. And I remember thinking, I didn't add one single hour to my life worrying. <laughs> Probably took some hours away. What we need to do is trust God with our money. Have a look at verse 29. I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how... God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little money? Is that what it says? No, he says, you of little faith. You see, the issue is trust. Do we actually believe God loves us? 
and will provide as we seek to serve him faithfully. Now that will mean we'll seek to get work, etc., etc., and be a responsible citizen. It will mean we'll be wise and diligent with our money as we're able to, according to the Proverbs, as I've said. But underneath it all is this value we place on money. It's not ultimate. God is ultimate and he's the one that I will trust. The person who most taught me about this was a woman from my past ministry who lived in a village called Mount Kembla. And she was an elderly lady who was now a widow. And she lived alone in this kind of rambling house in the village. And it was, I know people talk about Manly being a village, but it's a village with about 30,000 people. Um, I mean, it's lovely that you kind of can all walk and we can do that. But this was a real village where literally everyone kind of knew everyone in the village. And Wendy would say to the people, oh, look, my house is always open. She never locked her house and she told the whole village. And if you need to, you know, get something or you need just to, if it's raining, pop in, just cup of tea, just help yourself. And uh, true enough, it was always open. And Wendy did not have much. She was a very talented lady. She was an award-winning playwright. But she was incredibly generous. And she just said, Bruce, I trust God. And she didn't have much, but she tithed, I know, to our local church. And she gave to other people in need, even though she lived off literally the smell of an oily rag. And there was never a day of worry for her as God provided and she used to help with the soup kitchen down there and we had um, housing commission flats where people when they were first out of prison would come and live and they were interesting characters you might say and let me say if you laid a hand on Wendy she was so loved literally they might have killed you and I mean that (laughs) and she would be out helping and caring and giving and she never worried about the bank account she said it's all right God's in charge and she taught me You just need to trust God and be generous with what you have. And I always say to people, start with tithing and work your way up. Because there's there's a very practical moment in your life where you've got to say, do I really trust God? And you know how you know that? It's because you're actually starting to give money significantly and being generous to others. That's how you know you trust God. Because once you have reservoir theology and you hold on to it, you actually say, I don't trust God. You've got to free up the bank account and be generous and give. It's all through the New Testament that God calls us to generosity and to trust him. And the passage finishes this way, and this is where I want us to finish today. Stop worrying and start serving your Heavenly Father. In other words, place ultimate value on knowing God and serving him and extending the kingdom. So why? Do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? This is verse 31. What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, the order is this, put God first, not money, put God and his kingdom first and pursue that, and these other things will fall into place. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, tomorrow will worry about itself, each day has enough trouble of its own. God is a God who provides for his people. God is a God who protects his people and God is a God who gives us purpose in life. It is serving him and growing his kingdom. And friends, that is a far greater endeavor and more wonderful thing to be involved in and trust in than money. Money itself is not evil. We can use it for great good, but we must never make it a God. Because as soon as we start doing that, that is when the worries start. 
What we need to do is continue to wake up every morning and say, God, you are my God. You are my Father in heaven. And these are the worries I have and I give them to you in prayer. And I will trust you to be my provider, my protector, and you are the purpose of my life. May we together be able to say, we seek first this day his kingdom and his righteousness. And we know that all things will be given to us as well. Let's just stop and reflect on what this word says to us and have a time to quietly pray. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer after that. But if you've got financial worries, and they do come, uh, we'd love after the service to walk with you in that and to pray with you. You may just have other issues that you'd like someone to pray with that are not related to money. That's quite okay as well. But what we need to do, as we heard in the first week, is turn our anxieties over to God in prayer and leave them with him. And this passage says, trust that he'll be our provider in our times of need. So let's pray quietly and then I'll lead us together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are the one who loves us. And Father, you are the one who is ultimate. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. This world is yours and everything in it. And we are to be mere stewards of all that you've blessed us with. And Father, whether we have a little and we're struggling, or whether we have a lot and there's an abundance, I pray we would trust you as our good, good Father. And we would look to you each day and we would seek your kingdom. We would live responsible lives and wise lives with our finances. And we would be generous with all that we have towards the growth of the gospel here at St Matthew's, to our mission partners, to those in need and to those other causes where we can be of benefit and blessing. May we be a generous people who trust in you in this area of money. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.